0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins in the Dead podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Quick reminder before we start, make sure to subscribe to the Miami Herald YouTube page, like, share, comment, as well as subscribe to the Miami Herald. Now, the Dolphins offseason workout program is slowly but surely coming to a close. However, it is not complete until the end of mandatory mini camp. And that kicked off Tuesday, the first of three practices that the Dolphins have uh, scheduled for this week. Previously, these sessions were voluntary, organized team activities, uh, but now they're mandatory. So, the overwhelming majority of the Dolphins' roster at the Baptist Health Training Complex in Miami Gardens uh, for a set of practices. However, one major absence uh, for the Dolphins, we're going to get into that as well as give my thoughts, as well as me giving my thoughts on the offense and the defense. Uh, On the first of these mandatory practices, uh, we had Jalen Ramsey, as well as Xavier Howard, the two-star cornerbacks for the Miami Dolphins, speak about the defense and their expectations. We're going to get into all of that. However, like I said before, we got to start with what was really the major news, major development of uh, the day at the Baptist Health Training Complex. Uh, Speaking to Mike McDaniel before practice, he was asked about the absence of uh, two of his starters, uh, two starting players from the previous season, Zach Sealer, defensive tackle, as well as starting center Connor Williams. Uh, neither player was at the voluntary sessions. Uh, the most notable absences uh from the voluntary sessions. McDaniel was asked before practice uh whether they would be in attendance for the mandatory session. And McDaniel answered, saying that Zach Sealer would be. However, Connor Williams would not be at today's or Tuesday's practice. Um, as, you know, asking more and parting more about this uh this development. Um, he said that Connor Williams' absence is not excused. However, he's been in communication with the 26-year-old lineman. Um, now, very interesting developments, um, because as we've mentioned in the Miami era before, previously uh, mentioned um, again, the two voluntary OTA practices that were open to media, um, we didn't we saw neither player. Um, notably, they're both entering the final year of their respective contracts. direct uh by prominent agent Drew Rosenhaus. So um, there was some kind of, uh, you know, maybe thinking and rumblings that this is contract related. Um, now, McDaniel himself did not say it was contract related. However, um, he was asked and kind of, you know, there was a question posed to him um, kind of alluding to it maybe being uh, related to business um, to which McDaniel said, yeah, he he understands um, that, you know, players may have various reasons for not attending Um, again. He said, it's not excused. However, he says that as a coach of the team, tries to be um, empathetic, try to understand everyone's perspective, but he said, it's not something he is worried about. I'll give you the full quote. Um, He said, quote, I try to understand every player's perspective. I think that's part of my job is to be empathetic, um, to best come to a solution. So there's a bunch of things that come up, a bunch of things that have come up this off season that have come up last off season that will come up next off season. So that's always something that you're juggling and working with players to have your team perform at its highest ability. Now again, um, the absence of Connor Williams is one that um, again was a bit of a surprise. We know that um, Zach Sealer. Um, is, is seeking a new contract after after he has seemingly outperformed uh the three year extension that he signed uh, a couple of years back um he a sealer obviously you know grew into a, a prominent role last season after the injury to Emmanuel Agba, um but he was in attendance at uh today's session although he wasn't participating in team drills, seemingly um, ramping his way back into form as uh, the Dolphins have been doing with a lot of the veterans. Uh, Connor Williams, on the other hand, is a very, very interesting um, situation because, again, uh, he's entering the second and final year of a two-year, $14 million deal that he signed last year. Um, The Early indication or thought when the Dolphins signed him last offseason was that he was going to play guard because that was the position that he's played um, the majority of his career in Dallas. However, he pivoted to center, playing that for the first time in the NFL, and by all accounts had a very, very good year. PFF um, rated him the fourth highest or the fourth best center. He started um, every all 18 games, including um, the playoff loss to the Bills, um, and he was one of two offensive linemen to start every single game this season, along with Robert Hunt. Um, so you do have seemingly two, differing or kind of two sides of opinion and kind of perspectives with Connor Williams thinking, okay, I have outperformed um, my current deal. I would like to receive more money again. He's he set to receive $6.5 million in base salary, but only $2 million is guaranteed um, no roster bonus. Um, so again, I mean, I believe it's the sixth highest, if I can bring up the correct numbers, um, it's the sixth highest um, sixth highest annual average value for centers, according to over the cap. Um, so it's top 10 money. Um, but again, he might have the perspective that he has outperformed that and he is due for a raise, especially in some more security as he's entering um, the final year of that deal. And then you have the Dolphins again, just outside speculation. But Dolphins could have the perspective of you know they believe that maybe he's at fair value. Um, they have other priorities or higher priorities. We know that they've been in talks with uh defensive lineman Christian Wilkins himself, um, him about uh a new contract or contract extension. Um, so Dolphins have a lot of priorities, and again, um, limited cap space. Still, I mean, I won't say limited, but you know they just got thirteen uh thirteen million dollars from Byron Jones release. They've used some of that to sign three of their four draft picks. Late last week, um, and and, you know they seemingly could keep some money for uh, an impending move over the next couple months. They're going to take some money into the season. Um, so you know, and and again, they have a lot of priorities. So, then a lot of things to address. So there are notes, a lot of factors up in the air. I I will be interested to see if he does end up maybe coming to Wednesday session or Thursday session, or if this is something um that we have to wait until late July. In training camp to see how it gets uh resolved. But again, Connor Williams, 26 years old. Um, uh, excuse me, let me correct some previous numbers. I said eighth among centers, uh, eighth uh average, eighth highest average value for among centers according to over the cap. Um, it's still top 10 money. Um but but again, like I said, just 26 years old, still very young. He's gonna play the entirety of the 2023 season at 26 years old. Um, from my perspective from my kind of vantage point, uh I, I almost think it would kind of behoove the Dolphins to um to, you know, to after finding, after all the struggles they've had finding, drafting, signing quality offensive linemen, um, you know, finding one that's um, you know, played so well, especially in a new position, um, it, it, it almost seems like a no-brainer to to you know really commit to him and make sure that you lot come up. But again, just one year playing center, maybe there's some reservations there. I don't know. Um but this is a situation where the dolphins will have to find some common ground or somebody will have to kind of relent, um, on on either side. Um, again, this is not the dolphins first rodeo when it comes to contract disputes and issues with the contract. Um, just this past year and the year before that the dolphins had some stuff come up with a saving Howard wanting to be the highest paid quarterback on his team, uh, be received a raise. Um, again, um, in both cases, they were able to come to resolutions. Now, again, it's a little bit different because uh, X was uh, still had a couple of years left on the deal, whereas Connor Williams didn't see the final year. So, if Connor Williams, um, or excuse me, with X, the Dolphins were able to kind of move some money upwards and you know move some stuff around and make money available, make uh, you know raises available through incentives or not uh, through excuse me through incentive. This is a little bit tougher because it was the final year of the deal. Um, but again, if I'm just looking on the outside, you know, can they find some common ground, excuse me, for um for this year or can you re- get to a 2-3 year extension where you maybe guarantee more of the money up front um and kind of, you know, smooth 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 things over. Um because for the Dolphins, uh the the stability of the offensive line is paramount to their offensive success. Um again, amid a whole bunch of injuries this past year. Um Connor Williams was one of the only stable options, stable players last year. Um again, Teron Armstead Fuller as well as he played, was in and out of the lineup because of injuries. Robert Hunt, the only other guy besides Connor Williams to um to start every single game. And uh, and honestly I have to say Connor Williams, depending on how long he wants to take this, he might be in a position of power again. Um, not attending mandatory mini camps and training camps. Those come with severe fines um, that have been agreed to in the collective bargaining agreement that completely, you know, disincentivize uh, and dissuade players from, from having, you know, from having holdouts. Um, so if he's willing to kind of put his money where his mouth is, so to speak um, he might be in a position of leverage because the dolphins right now don't have a clear backup plan to him again, they didn't really have to dive into that option last year um, because he was healthy and so good. But the only other, the, the only it seemed like his backup last year was Michael Dieter. He's gone. Um, they signed Dan Feeney from the Jets this off season. He has yet to participate in team drills. Um, he's one of several veterans and kind of newcomers who have yet to participate in team drills as the team and the training staff is seemingly bringing them along slowly. Um, Liam Eichenberg said last week that he's been taking snaps at center. Um, but he's hoping that he plays left guard. and I don't think that that's, I mean, it's not his natural spot. Um, yeah, you know, so the Dolphins don't have a clear backup to Connor Williams, and they don't have anybody on the roster who has shown that they can play center as well as Connor Williams did last year. Um so again, it's still early. Um, it's still something to watch out for. um, but it will be interesting to see how that plays out because again, um he Connor Williams, he being he is a very important part. The offensive line and he's not the only one that's up for extensions um obviously uh christian wilkins um is, is on the final year of his rookie deal playing out the fifth year option zach sealer his agent who also reps uh who also reps um Connor williams has said that he's trying to push for a contract extension um as well as robert hunt another offensive lineman in the final year of his rookie deal He's up for uh, an extension, but he's been at team drills. Uh, me, he's been at mandatory minicamp himself, um, OTAs, and he said he's not worried about that. Everyone has different ways of uh, of handling these various disputes, but again, um, it, it's important that Connor Williams is locked in um, uh, for the Dolphins, whether that's this year or, or, or you know down the line. Uh, so we'll definitely see how that progresses. Whether he's there Wednesday, if he is, if he's there. Uh, We'll definitely be tracking that uh, here at the Miami Herald. If he's not, we'll be tracking it uh, both ways. So, again, just something to watch out for uh, with Connor Williams not at mandatory minicamp on day one. All right, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back on the other side of things, we're going to head on the field uh, recapping the first day of mandatory minicamp. Who was practicing, who was not, as well as who stood out um, on the first of three mandatory sessions. So stay locked with us. And we'll be back soon. What's going on, everybody? Still here on the Dolphins In that podcast talking all things Dolphins. Now, in the first half, gave my thoughts on the absence of Connor Williams, um, who has not been, who is not at, at the first day of mandatory minicamp, was not the two volunteer practices open to the media. Um, definitely will be watching out for that. But I want to switch gears and get on the field where, again, the Dolphins took the field for their first mandatory minicamp session. Um, only two, only three other players absent from practice are uh, Braylon Sanders, Cedric oh boy, he as well as Jeron Christian. But um, everyone else accounted for um, maybe not participating in practice or in various aspects of practice, but the remainder of the roster, Dolphins roster, all together. And it was an interesting day. It was not maybe the a day full of fireworks, but still, we still had some developments that I want to break down. Going to start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, where I think that you know we've had an interesting you know development with what I consider to be the most important offseason uh co- uh position battle, um, and that is the backup quarterback spot. Now there might be a there might be more sexy, more appealing um, position battles. Again, we have uh, the wide receiver three spot where have had a lot of guys come up and make big plays, Robbie Chosen, um, Bra- uh, Braxton Barrio, Cedric Wilson there gets to come. I'm getting get into that a little bit later. Um, you have the offensive line where we don't know, you know, is there going to be competition at left guard? Is there going to co- be competition at right tackle? Um, you have the cornerback spot where you have a lot of guys vying for, for roster spots and playing time. You have safety. Um, so again, um, a lot of, guys a lot of guys on a talented roster competing for roster spots and playing time um but the backup quarterback spot to me is the most important position battle this offseason as we get closer and closer to training camp and starting the season for the simple fact that um you know there are fair injury questions about to um and you know he missed five games last year um you know that player is one play away from stepping into the starting spot and leading this offense and more or less leading this team Um, we know the Dolphins signed Mike White from the Jets in the offseason. Um, and he was kind of viewed as the favorite to get that number two spot. But Mike McDaniel did say that he would compete with Skylar Thompson um entering his second year after he started a few games as a seventh-round rookie. And I will say to date, after you know the two practices that I've seen, voluntary practices that I've seen, and the first mandatory mini-camp practice that I've seen, I would say that Skylar Thompson, in my opinion, has, uh, has taken the lead as the number two guy. Now, again, this is only off of a few practices that we've seen. There are a handful of practices that the media has not seen. So this is just based off the three practices that I've seen. But in those practice sessions, uh, Skyler has stood out to me. Now, um, the thing about Skyler and Mike White um, that's interesting to me is that they're kind of similar quarterbacks in the sense that neither – has, you know, um, I would say neither has a standout physical trait, you know, in terms of like their arm talent, like, you know, they're not, it's not like they have strong arms, the strongest arms, um, you know, around, um, you know, they're not pinpoint accurate like Tua. um, neither of them are going to, you know, kill you with their legs. Although Skyler has shown in college and in the NFL, the ability to move around and to pick up yards with his legs, um so a lot of it comes down to just like executing the offense excuse me as a at a high level like that's what it comes down to you're not gonna you don't have a rocket forward arm you're not pinpoint accurate you're not you know dicing people up every play so it just comes to having like like executing the offense as it stands i think that that's important because again when you're a backup coming in there we don't need you to play superhero the team doesn't need you to put on a cape carry them we just need you to operate the offense as it is like base level quarterback play that's what you need and somebody that doesn't make mistakes so that's like two things that I'm looking out for like are you executing the offense in front of you and are you avoiding big mistakes turnovers you know putting the ball in harm's way Um, I will say the first mandatory mini camp practice um, Skyler um, had a lot of really good red zone work short you know it was a lot of short red zone drills where they're at the 10-yard line, at the five-yard line. Um, it's a session that is kind of get lends itself to a lot of scoring um, and a lot of touchdowns because the offense is so close to the uh to the end zone. But I really liked what I saw from Schuyler during those drills. Um, you know, he had multiple touchdown passes, you know, hitting guys in the end zone, in you know, really difficult parts of the field. He had a really nice back shoulder pass to Ridge, River Cracraft in what was what I thought was the best throw of the day. Um he hit Robbie Chosen on a on a nice fade route in the corner of the end zone. He hit Tyler Croft again in the corner of the end zone. And I just like I just feel like this he's getting more confident. Like I, I see him entering the second year of this system, and there's a lot of talk about what year two of this system means for Tua. Um, but you know. Mike McDaniel mentioned it himself at the NFL scouting combat, Scott mine that Schuyler was thrown into a position that, you know, he didn't expect himself to be in. Um, and, you know, really the team didn't expect himself, didn't expect him to be in in starting games. Cause they had two as a starter and Teddy as the backup. Obviously he was on the 53 man roster and he had to be prepared for anything, um, but it was kind of a tough spot for a rookie, but, you know, and especially a seventh round rookie. Um, so again, Schuyler did throw a pick. Um, in this session i don't want to put too much on him because the intended receiver eric as you comment, did trip bryce thompson the undrafted cornerback um picked him off um but outside of that i was really impressed with what he did in the red zone drill in terms of being like decisive concise um and, and finding guys quickly and again I, I think that to date he's outplayed mike white for that number two spot you now we still got a lot of time um and, and i think that the the joint practices the Dolphins are gonna have a pair of those practices with the Falcons and then the Texans and then the preseason games because I don't think two is going to play a ton and I don't think he should play a ton in the preseason. Um I think that those joint practices and the preseason games are really going to go a long way to deciding who is the backup for Tua talk about Loa. Um but to date I think that Skyler has outplayed Mike White. Um now again I know I mentioned the wide receivers before um and I would say another guy who I think is starting to kind of um separate from the pack, so to speak, is wide receiver Robbie Chosen. Um, now, the Dolphins have a lot of options in terms of the number three wide receiver behind Tyree Kill and Jalen Um Tyree Kill was at the mandatory practice, but not in team drills. Jalen Waddell, um, very, very limited in the team drills. Um, so, again, this is, as I said before, this is an opportunity for those guys. Robbie Chosen, Braxton Berrios, Cedric Wilson, Eric but River, River, River Cratecraft, Braylon Sanders, uh, who wasn't there uh, today, but made some plays. Um this is a prime opportunity for them to not only um get camaraderie with Tua um but overall um just show that they're able to step up and make plays in this offense. Now um Robbie chosen we know him from his time um with the uh New York Jets um the Carolina Panthers and then briefly with the Arizona Cardinals um, as a guy who um, has been a, one of the best deep threats in the NFL, um, you know, dating back to his time at Temple, um, somebody who can get past the defense, um, you know, make plays downfield. And he has shown the ability to do that. But I was really impressed by his route running and his um work and kind of the sh- short, intermediate part of the field um, this past practice on Tuesday. Again, a lot of red zone work for him. And he um, was making plays. All over the field, again, a fade route, um, you know, just again, working in the short air, short part of the field. I don't want to say too much because I'm not allowed to say too much, uh, but working um, with kind of short to intermediate routes. I was really impressed uh, with that. And he's, you know, again, not only with Tua, but with Mike White, Scott Johnson showing an ability to connect with his, um, with his quarterback. Um, so that's really good to see. And again, um, outside of backup quarterback, I think that this is going to be, um, you know, one of the fiercest position battles in training camp. And one of the more important position battles in training camp. Um, because again, this offense was so um reliant on Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle um to produce. I think it's important to get somebody um, a third target um who can you know make some plays after departure, after the departure of Trent Sherfield and Mike Goseki. Um so again, on offense, strong days from Skylar Thompson, strong day from Robbie Chosen, um, you know making his claim in this case to be the number three wide receiver. Um, going to defense, um, again, a lot of vets limited or not participating at all. Um, you know, the Dolphins' top cornerbacks, um, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, among those guys, Jalen um, Ramsey, not participating in team drills yet. He said he was ramping his way up with the training staff. X are very, very limited in team drills. David Long, the new linebacker, not participating. Zach Sealer not participating in team drills. Um, and again, kind of similar to offense. This is a time and a opportunity for some lesser known guys um, to make cases for roster spots and playing time. And one guy that has been really, really making his case for a roster spot is undrafted rookie linebacker uh, Mitchell Goudet. Um, If you've been reading the Miami Herald's practice reports, he is a name that has popped up, um, you know, just kind of being a menace in the backfield. And again, on Tuesday, he was making plays. Um, I had him down for multiple, um, sacks and tackles for loss. Um, and, um, uh, you know, Jalen Phillips, who, uh, had us, who had a similar career path to him starting at UCLA and then going to the university of Miami. And now with the Miami Dolphins, um, I had a lot of high praise for him. Um, so he, again, Mitchell Gude standing out making plays, um, very, very interested to see if this carries over into training camp when we get to these joint sessions. Um, because it's always tough with line play, trench play to really discern what and what, what not is standing or what is standing out and what is not really standing out. Um, because it's not full live contact to the ground or whatnot. Um, so it is tough sometimes. But he is a guy that has, you know, shown athleticism, ability to slip past linemen, get to the backfield and make plays. Uh, so good for him. Um, and last, before we get out of here, now, while Ramsey and uh, X didn't uh, didn't really participate in team drills, they did talk after practice. They talked about um, where this defense is um, in terms of installing this new Vic Fangio uh, scheme um, and, you know, their expectations, their prospects for it. Um, I know I wrote a story on that that you, that you can check out on my mirror website. Um, But I'm just going to get into some of the comments from those two guys, um, especially from Ramsey, because I think he he said a lot of really interesting things about um, this defense and what to expect. Now, for those that don't know, um, when he was with the Los Angeles Angeles Rams, he played um, under a very, very um, similar scheme um, under Brandon Staley, who's now the Chargers head coach, and then with Raheem Morris as defensive coordinator. Um, And he said, now, obviously... You know he knows the defense, but with Vic Fangio, he's kind of the godfather of the uh these two ha- two uh two high safety schemes schemes and zone coverage schemes that a lot of teams have picked up um and kind of um incorporate their own little wrinkles into it. Um, so he said first, um, I know this defense, so that's how it helps. I've been running the same defense for three years now, my past three years in LA, um, so now it's the same defense. It's just a little bit different terminology, but same type of stuff. There's different ways to play this defense. Vic has his own way of putting his own flavor in it, and I guess kind of catering it to certain people who will stand out in the defense and who can stand out in any defense, really. The last part of that really stood out to me because um, I think that he is one of multiple guys who will be featured in this defense. I mentioned it in the story that I wrote. Um, The first couple years of Jalen Ramsey's career, he's on the outside, like exclusively. He's a lockdown guy, traveling, following receivers. Um, He goes to Los Angeles. And his role is shifted because um, teams are avoiding his side of the field because he's such a good cornerback. So what the Rams do is they put him as kind of a quote-unquote star role. He's a nickel cornerback close to the line of scrimmage where he's able to uh, impact the the game, um, you know, in run defense. And they still move him around because a lot of the better wide receivers are playing in the slot. So if Jalen Ramsey can go to the slot – hey you're getting lockdown potential lockdown play just not from the outside from the slot so he's one of many guys who i think um could kind of stand out and be featured in this defense um he he went on to talk about um you know why this defense will be special not only because of the things that um Jalen Ramsey and excuse me, himself and Xavier Howard can do is man-to-man guys, his own guys, but the versatility of the defense. And again, I, I spoke about that with him, um, but you have a guy in Keter Kohu who, who really excelled as as an undrafted rookie last year as both an outside and an inside guy, slot and outside. Um, you have a uh, Javon Holland who can not only play free safety, but can uh, blitz uh, blitz quarterbacks. Can line up uh, close to the line of scrimmage and cover tight ends. Um, so he's another one of those guys, him and Cater, who I think can be featured in this defense because of their versatility. And um, everything about this defense is predicated on deception. So when you guys have guys who can play in different spots and can move around, that just makes it that much more tougher for the uh the the offense to operate. Um, along those lines, Mike McDaniel was asked about. Um, what the impact of Vic Fangio's scheme and specifically a scheme that excels in zone coverage uh, can have on the opposing offense. And I thought that Mike McDaniel gave some really, really good insight into that. Uh, Let me find the quotes. Again, first, he was asked about the impact of Mike, excuse me, of uh, Vic Fangio. And he said, he gave a very long answer because Mike McDaniel <laughs> is 10, 10 to do that. Um, but he said, quote, an unintended consequence. It's something that, you know, as a football coach, but it's not steadfast at the front forefront of your thought process when you're making decisions like that in terms of hiring a defensive coordinator. Uh, what defense do you want to run? Who do you want in charge of it? Your mind goes straight to I want the best defense we can have. I want the defensive coordinator. We can have um, the, the best coordinator we can have. I think that has been accomplished. A subset of unintended consequences are the techniques with which with which they perform their assignments really takes advantage of poor technique offensively, uh, meeting the way they pattern match and the way they really play with vision as a receiver. It's the best training you could get as a tight end. It's the best training you can get. All these route runnings, all these route runners are getting this elite training because they're getting made pay uh when their technique is off if they're off, if they're on vertical enough on their st- stem traditionally from a coach's perspective, I have to say, yeah, this worked. However, in game situations, it won't probably won't. And that you're kind of selling to them. Then you have to grab a game clip, whatever. It is so much more efficient and better for the offensive coaches, but something that we emphasize doesn't get done. And the defense makes you pay. Well, we're pushing that envelope on both sides of the ball. Now um, where my ultimate desire, I want a good team. I don't want to go out there on both sides of the ball. Um, uh, excuse me, I don't want to go out there today and have the defense dominate the offense or vice versa. I want guys trading punches. And he just pretty much went on to say how, um, you know, just the the way this defensive scheme is set up, um, it relies on everyone, um, you know, being in certain spots and it forces the offense to play to a T. Like you have to be on point. If one part of the offense isn't right, defense will make you pay. And again, he went on to say about particularly playing against predominantly zone coverage, He says, the teams that are capable of playing good zone defense make you earn everything, and really, they force teams to execute and execute across the board. Um, Again, he said, what not to say in man coverage, um, if one guy messes up in man coverage, you have a guy that's wide open. Not necessarily the case in zone coverage, Um, but again, it requires everyone to be cohesive on defense, and by that effect, it requires everything on offense to be exactly on point, because if not – um, you have defensive backs who are looking at the quarterback. They have eyes on the quarterback. They can react so much quickly and make you pay for a misstep. Um, so, again, iron sharpening iron. I mentioned that in the previous episode. Um, the defense not only coming into shape, but also just the way it's built, making the offense better uh, itself as well. Um, so, positive reports from uh, the first day of mandatory mini camp. Again, the Dolphins have two more practices scheduled on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, I'll be out there for both days recapping all aspects of the sessions um, and reporting on the latest developments, whether that be Connor Williams absence, lack of absence, uh, as well as other standouts um and reactions from player media availability. All right, well that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins and Net podcast. Uh, again, I want to thank you guys as always for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to My YouTube page. Uh, like share comment as well as subscribe to my herald um i'll be back next week to put a bow on mandatory minicamp uh the offseason workout program as well as maybe look ahead uh to what's next for the dolphins um but until then you guys take care see ya